0: Just mm-hmm. turning our Bibles um, to the book of Acts. We're going to look at a few verses there. Acts chapter 9. A couple of prayer requests that, you know, we've had a lot of people have surgery or are going to have surgery. I'm going to give you a little update. Ann Hilton is now in um, rehabilitation. She's at a, a, the process over by Indian. Um, what's it called? Indian Pathway? NHC. NH, she's in NHC right beside there and she'll be in there for probably a week or two. Keep her in your prayers. She fell down and broke her hip and had hip surgery. So um, if there's one good thing about it, there are two ways of breaking your hip and she broke it the better way of the two. And so she didn't have to have hip replacement. She's 88 years old. And so it's, she's, but she's a little go-getter. I'm telling you right now, she lives right behind me. And we never, hardly ever see her at her house during the day. So she's always doing things. Even the doctor said she's in really good shape. So um, she's going to try to get out of there within a week. But you make sure you pray for her. And then we had Priscilla. She had her surgery this week. She's doing fine. Just going to be about two weeks. You pray for her and Ray as they're trying to figure out how to get this all going the right direction. I'm sure they're listening this morning. You make sure you pray for them. Patsy had her surgery. She's back in the back, and we're thankful she's here. And she had her surgery a couple days ago. And then the young lady that just sang, she has her major surgery on Friday. So keep her in your prayers also. When you think about that, you're going to major surgery, and you're, you're singing about how God... Here's your answers, and he's, he, he's concerned about you. So praise the Lord for that. Let's go ahead and turn our Bibles to nine, uh, Acts chapter 9. We're going to read two verse, three verses. Let's go ahead and stand, stretch a little bit, and then we'll pray and we'll get right into this. Hey, you need to come tonight. You will not regret hearing Cody Sturgill sing and preach. His family will sing. Um, some of you know who Cecil Sturgill is. Cecil Sturgill is his uncle. All right. So I know Cecil's going to be here on Monday or Tuesday just to make sure he's doing a good job. All right. So you make sure you do. And I talked to him. This is why you want to come tonight. I talked to him and he said, I only preach for about 25 or 30 minutes. So you need to come just to see if that can happen. Amen. (laughs) All right. So be here tonight. You'll have a good time with him. He's got that Southern draw. Mark. You're going to just love him, all right? I'm telling you, he talks just like you. You're going to enjoy him. You'll understand everything. We'll have an interpreter for the people from the north. If you need that, we'll have that for you. But you make sure you're here. We'll have a good time. It says in this, it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 23, it says, And after that many days were fulfilled. Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying away was known of Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And the disciples took him by night, and let him down by the wall in a basket. I want to encourage you to be faithful in the month of November. November is a great month. I love Thanksgiving. How many of you like Thanksgiving? We all know why the guys like it. There's food, football, and then there's sleep that day, amen? And then you wake up and you do the same thing over and over again, and you can just get sick on the food that you're eating because you're going to eat so much. I can eat my body weight in mashed potatoes, amen? I love mashed potatoes, and I'm looking forward to mashed potatoes and turkey. And so this is the month of thanks. Today we're thanking the Lord for the church. Next week we're going to be thanking the Lord for our country. Next week, next Sunday, is actually Veterans Day. And I really want to I encourage you to be here because the choir is going to sing a special song. It's what we pledge allegiance to. I like those two little words, under God. And so we're going to talk about that. And there's a song, I think, in the back of the hymnal that's called Turn the Tide. I'm going to try to teach you another song next week because it's all about patriotic, about our country. Don't we live in a great country? Aren't you going to be glad when those political ads are over on Wednesday? Amen. Amen. I'm just going to have a day of, of reckoning when that happens, so I don't have to hear all those. And then I'll be thankful for a car dealership um, um, advertisement at that point, point. and I'm not even looking for a car, but I'm just thankful that I'll be over. So we have that, and then the next week, we're going to talk about thanking God for the world. He gave us a wonderful world, and, and you know, we heard the report of um, the Wesco family, and I want you to keep them in your prayers. He was a man that went on deputation for two and a half years, and then he went on the field, and two and a half weeks into the field, he was shot and killed. He has eight children, and, is, and he's in Cameroon, Africa, and they have to come back. They're talking. I've seen some Facebook pages about it. You just pray for her, ranging, I think, from 15 or 14 to about seven years old. He, she has eight children she has to take care of now. And so you just keep them in your prayers. You don't understand why God does things like that. I, I don't, but I know that God has a, has a reason for why it happened. But we need to make sure we're thankful for the world. We're going to talk about our missionaries that week. And the last week, on the 25th, we're going to thank God for who He is. And we have a wonderful Savior to, to look into, and then we'll get right into Christmas, and we've got some messages about Christmas also. When you come to the church, you've got to understand there's three things to a church. There is, there's the church leadership, there's the church workers, and there's the church people. And let me tell you this, as a Pastor, I want the church people to turn into church workers, okay? There's always things you can do, amen? But when it comes to church leadership, God ordains certain things of, of pastors and assistant pastors, and then you also have deacons and trustees. Let's look at what the Bible says. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll jump back to Acts in just a second. 1 Timothy chapter 3, and there's some verses in here about our, what, what the deacons should be. And it says this. It says in verse number First Timothy chapter three, verse eight. It says, "Likewise, must the deacons be grave, not double tongued, not given to filthy, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre." holding the mystery of the faith in pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of the deacon being found blameless. Verse number 11 deals with their wives. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sobers, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. Tonight, if you come to the services tonight, we're going to have an ordination for two of our new deacons. And I want you to be here for that. There's nothing eerie about it. We're going to lay hands on them. We're going to pray over them. And those two are Alan and Josh. And you make sure you come back tonight and see that. That'll be in the main service on Sunday night. But you know, you have leadership. We have seven deacons, five um, trustees, and I'm thankful for these men. Very faithful men. They do what they're supposed to do. They they fit this category of what's read in here. And their wives fit that also, and I'm so thankful for that. Because I'm telling you, there are sometimes you go to churches and they don't fit that category. There's sometimes there's there's pastors that don't fit that category. And so I am thankful for the church leadership. Then we have the church workers. And church workers, they are staff and then they're supporting staff. If you're a Sunday school teacher, stand up for just a second. Or you're an assistant Sunday school teacher, could you stand up? And stay, remain standing, all right? If you're an usher, stand up, all right? usher. All right. If you're a greeter, stand up. If you work in a cafe, if you work in our, you don't have to stand up, ma'am. You just had surgery. Just raise your hand right there. All right. And there's many different things that you do. Some of you work with, um, with food, bringing food to people. Amen. Some of you work in Sunday school. Some of you work with children's ministry. All these people, if we didn't have them, I don't know what the church would do. And we got to be thankful for them. We got to be thankful for what they do. And and have the deacons stand up, their wives. I mean, have deacons stand up, your wives stand up real quick. All right, if you don't know who you are, I'll tell you. All right, there's people all over that do things. And you know what we need to be? We need to be thankful for them. If you're in the choir, stand up. There's a lot of people standing up, amen. There's some people that are sitting down that should be in the choir, amen. Praise the Lord. But just go ahead and have a seat now. You look around and you see all these people standing. They're church workers. There's always something to do. I don't know a preacher in America that has too many workers. Let me give you an example. You know one of the things that I I would like to do? We are taking those buses out almost on a monthly basis. Every time we go out, we have to clean off the dust off the top and the birds like to live above it. Amen? You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for some men that will come up and say, hey, I will clean those buses once a month. You say, well, I, I don't even clean my own vehicles. I don't care what your vehicles look like. I just care what the buses look like, amen? I don't want to pull into um, the Biltmore. Have you ever been there? You don't want to pull into the Biltmore with a bus that's got bird mess all over it, amen? You just don't want to do it. You don't want dirt out everywhere. You don't want a tire that's flat. You just want it to be, You want it to be nice. You want it to be clean inside. And so we're using those things. I'm looking for that. Later on in two weeks, we're going to talk about our missionaries. You know how many missionaries we have? 99 missionaries. We support $100 a month on on these 99. You know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for 20 to 25 families that will take on either four or five missionaries where they'll correspond with them. The men can correspond with the men and the ladies can correspond with the ladies. I want to tell you, the ladies will tell you more things than the men will tell you. You know what the men are going to say? Just pray for our ministry. Pray that God will do something. But the ladies will say, hey, pray for our kids. This is what they're going through. And we need to know that. And we're going to work with that. And we, and we want to know these missionaries. We had a missionary that was in, um, a personal friend that was in, in Russia. And we used to do something. We said, what do your kids want? You know, it was, sometimes some things are just really simple. They said, you know what our kids never have? And they don't have over where we're at? Kool-Aid. So they said, when you send us a letter, just put a Kool-Aid packet in the letter and mail it over to them. And the kids are really, the kids are very intrigued by it. And they actually use it to have people, to witness to people because they'd put this stuff in the water. And all of a sudden it'd turn a different color. And these Russian kids were like, what is that? You know, there's little things that we can do. I want you to really pray over maybe taking some missionaries. You say, well, I'm a single person. You can still do it. I would love for every family in this church to have two or three missionaries they could look at. And they could could contact. You could correspond with them. And, you know, that's that's part of being a worker. And then you have church people in there. There are so many that that are in here that could do some other things and just look for opportunities. You know, when I was thinking about this, Paul writes to churches. You think about the books that he wrote. Paul, the Apostle Paul, we just read some things about him in Acts. He's actually never even changed his name there. He doesn't change his name until Acts chapter 13. But in Acts chapter 9, we read it and we read his name Saul. But when he writes the the, the scripture, do you realize how many books he wrote to to churches? He wrote to the church in Galatia. We call it Galatians. He wrote to the church in Ephesus. He wrote to the church in Corinth. To Philippi, Thessalonica. He wrote to all these churches because he was concerned about them and some of them he thanked them for what they had done and other th- times he tried to encourage them to do more. Then he also, not only that, he wrote to pastors. He wrote to two pastors. He wrote to a man by the name of Titus and he wrote to a man by the name of Timothy and Timothy he wrote two books to. So he was concerned about that. And you know what else he did? He also wrote to a worker. He wrote a small book and it's called Philemon, Philemon. And he wrote to a man by the name of Onesimus that was a worker, a person in a church that he knew that was a saved man. So he was really concerned about this. But I want you to look, go back to Acts chapter 9. And as we're talking about the church, I want you to see this. When we read these three verses... It says in verse number 23, it says, and after that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. This is talking about later on it'll be Paul, but at this time he's Saul. He's saying, listen, these guys wanted to kill you for what you've done, but their laying away was known of Saul and they watched the gate day and night to kill him. In verse number 25, it says, then the disciples took him by night and let him down by the wall in the basket. If you keep reading, it says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. <clears throat> but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen, in the, seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him. Now you've got to understand what he's saying here. This is right after the conversion of Saul. And they were scared of him because he was actually at the death of Stephen. And so he was in charge of that. They said they laid his garments at him. And so he's in charge of him. And now he's actually did a, 360, a, 180, not a 360, 180 and turned the opposite direction. And now he's doing things for the Lord. You have Saul sitting there. But I want to point out a few things to you. We're going to go through this quickly because my next point is what the next set is what I want you to get to. Can I tell you something? Names aren't important. If we're in it for our name, we're not in it for the right reasons. Watch what it says. Go to verse number 25, and I'm going to stop reading and you read the next word. Watch this. Then the, it didn't say which ones it was. Because I want to tell you, if Peter was there, he would have said his name. He was all sometimes about who he was, amen? But it says, names don't mean anything. Can I tell you what does mean things? Difficult jobs are very important. They were concerned that he was going to die, so they had to get him out. And they got him out. Responsibilities are important. When you have a responsibility, even greeting. This morning, I got up and and, and I was here early and... And my watch changes times, amen? My cell phone changes times, all right? I don't sleep well when the time change happens. You know why? I had this thing in my mind that there's going to be a glitch in the system and it's not going to be on time. And if I'm not here, I'm going to be in trouble. There's been times when I've said to my wife, I don't want to go to church. And she says, you have to, you're the pastor. <laughs> and so I got here, we got here about 7.30 and I started working on stuff in my office, and I got it all done. My problem was I wasn't watching this watch or my phone. I was watching my little clock that chimes on, on, above my um, bookcase. I had not changed that time. And so I'm moving around trying to get everything done. I get done and it's 9.30 and I go over to Daniel. And I say, Daniel, where is the order of service? I need to know this. And I, and I even said this, Gary. I said, where's Gary at? He's always here early. He's my greeter. Raise your hand up Gary real quick. He's always here early. And I was like, "Where is Gary at?" And finally Daniel looked at me and goes, "You do know it's only 8:30." <laughs> and I said, "No, I forgot." And I had to go shut my clock off and fix the right time in my office because I was looking at the wrong clock. See, Gary has a responsibility. He's always here. One day I didn't let him in. He was sitting out there for 15 minutes because I didn't know he was knocking. But you know, I know, it, I know church is about ready to start when I've seen Gary for about a half hour, 45 minutes. And then Mike, Mike McCann will walk around and turn all the lights on. And so you're sitting here going, okay, I know what's going on. And I was just totally shocked today that no one was there and Daniel had not given me the order of service. I was mad at him. But then he goes, You do realize, Pastor Wagner, it is only 8 30. And that's how he talks to me. And I was like, Yeah, okay, I do know that now. You know, sometimes names aren't important. Difficult jobs are important. Responsibilities are important. You know, Gary just looks at it and says, okay, I'm here. But you know what? It means a lot to me. It means a lot to me. And most people don't even know Gary's name. And they'll say, Gary wasn't here. And says, Who's Gary? Gary's the guy that shakes your hand when you come in every morning. I love seeing him here. I'm thankful for him. People are important. Saul was important in this story. They got him out. They were trying to kill him. It's funny because in this story, he was the one that was trying to kill other people and eventually they would try to kill him. But they got him out. And can you imagine the blessings they received because they helped him in a difficult situation? Can I tell you, people are not, names are not important. Difficult jobs are important. Responsibilities are important. People are important. Finishing jobs are important. How many of you ever had a job and you never finished it? If I went to your house and I asked your wife, is there a job that you said you were gonna do and you only did half of it? I'm that, I'm that have you ever seen a movie Up? I'm the guy that sees the squirrel and looks at it and I chase that squirrel. And my wife will go, get back, come back here, come back here, come back here, and get me back on track. You ever been there? I wanna point out some things to you when it comes to church. We need church leadership. We need church workers and we need church people. The problem with people in a church, see, the church is not the drywall, the metal, the doors, the pews. The church is the people. This is just where Bible Baptist Church meets on Hilton Street. But it's not our church, we're the church. But the problem with having people in the church is that you're sinners. Anybody, don't raise your hand on this, but just think about this. Did you do something wrong this week? Probably, amen? We're all sinners. And when you deal with sinners, you have to deal with the word, break it down. What's the first three letters of the word sinners? Sin. So when it comes to church, church is not a building, church is people. When it comes to church, what do we need to be? Let's look at one of the things that he wrote to one of his churches. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Um, Galatians chapter 6, I'm sorry. Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to look at 10 verses, and we'll be done. We're going to go through these really quick. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, deal with seven things you have to deal with when you're in a church situation. With church leadership, with church workers, with church people, because we are all sinners. The first thing you've got to understand is we've got to have restoration to others. If Jesus were to walk in today and someone was was to be brought down to be stoned to death, and he said that statement, of you that is perfect, cast the first stone. How many of us could cast the first stone? The man that said it was the only one in that room that could have done it. And he didn't do it. Because he loved you so much, he dealt with restoration. Look at the first verse. If this doesn't talk about restoration, I don't know what it does. Verse number one says this, and like I said, we'll go through this pretty quick. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, Tripped up, messed up. Look at these next four words. Ye which are spiritual. Wow. Not ye which are carnal. Well, can you tell me what they did? Man, just let me know. I'm just going to pray for them. Really? They no, just want information. People want information. We're sinners. But it's talking about restoration. It says, Restore such an one in the spirit of what? Meekness. Now, when you think of someone meek, you don't think of someone loud. You think of someone that's doing it under toe where people can't see it and they're trying to make things right. Considering thyself, lest thou be tempted. So the first thing we've got to understand with the church is we've got a restoration to others. Number two, pray for others. Prayer for others. Ann Hilton needs our prayers. She's an independent lady. She needs our Prayers. She tells me, I'm going to get out in a week. She doesn't understand that the doctors are going to tell her when she gets out. Amen? And she's working hard. She's going to rehabilitation two or three times a day. I, t- I guarantee you there's people in that, in that place where she's at that are younger than her that can't keep up with her. And she had a broken hip. We've got to get back and understand. We need to pray for this. Look at verse number two. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When someone comes to you, watch this. I know a lot of people that say they'll pray for you and they don't ever do it. I, I don't know what's happened, but in the last six months, I have just been, I've been burdened for some of my preacher friends. And on Sunday morning, we text each other left and right talking about prayer requests. And I talked, I, I, there were two of them this morning that I, preached, uh, that, I, that I text because I want them to know that I'm praying for them. There's a preacher in Illinois that I prayed for and I text this morning. There's a preacher up in Pennsylvania that I, that I pray for every day. But don't tell people you're going to pray and don't pray. Amen. Prayer is a big thing. Probably the, the, the biggest thing that we overlook. How much God can change a life by prayer. My wife is a walking answer to prayer. She's not here today. She has a, a, a migraine and she's dealing with it right now. She's, hopefully she'll be here tonight. But just to see her walking around and being able to talk to her, that's, that's a prayer request answered. I remember when um, we sent it out and we we talked to people when she was going through that cancer and and I remember getting phone calls from preachers. I didn't even know they knew it existed. And they would call me and they would text me and say, I'm praying for you, brother. That meant the world to me. And I think that's what changed what was going on in her life. God answered some prayers. We've got to pray for each other. The next thing is you've got to examine yourself. (laughs) Look at verse number three. It says, if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Let, let every man prove his own work and then shall he rejo- have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Examine yourself. Make sure you're in the right spirit. You, you, if, if you are going to the throne of God, you want to make sure that you and God are all right. That you, you have nothing between your soul and your Savior, as the song says. We've got to get back to understanding that as a church. Restoration to others, prayer for others, examining yourself, and then pray for yourself. Look at the next verse. But for every man shall bear his own burden. I don't know what your burdens are, but I do know you have some burdens. Is there, if I ask, it's, it's kind of humorous to me when I say, does anybody have a prayer request? Because I have numerous ones. And so do you. And some of you are more closed. You don't want people to know about it. And that's, that's fine. But most of us have prayer requests. And you know what? Some of the things, the person we let down the most is ourselves. Our, we, will let, we will let God down, I will let God down more than anybody else around me that I know of. And so we need to pray over ourselves, carry these burdens, but then give them to the Lord. So the first thing we need to do is restoration. The second thing we need to do is we need to pray for others, examine ourselves, pray for yourselves. And look at verse number six. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches them all good things. The thing we need to do as a church, we need to communicate with each other. If you've got a prayer request, give it to me. If you've got a prayer request, give it to somebody else. Let them pray. There's strength in numbers. But we need to communicate. Have you ever been offended by somebody and never went and approached them? Well, how is that ever going to be taken care of? If I offend somebody and you never tell me that I offended you, I can't fix it. Have you ever said something that's wrong? All the time. And you might offend somebody? And if they don't come to you and say, hey, and I don't want everybody to come to me. I don't want everybody to say that I've offended them, okay? I know there's going to be some of them. Russ is going to come to me and say, you've really offended me. I can tell you that right now. But, but, and maybe Lindsay, But um, it's a family thing, okay? But we've got to get back to where we communicate. That's what the church is supposed to do. If I, I can tell you right now, if you were to ask Peter something about if he had a prayer request, I could tell you who he'd, pray, who he'd tell you to pray for. Who would it be? Amanda. Because he's communicated that with us. And so, well, he, And Pete likes to tell you information. You know why? Because it's his daughter. If it was my daughter, I'd want you to know. And man, we've got to get where we communicate with people. If we're not communicating as a church, we're not going to get anything done. Can you imagine as a choir director, if I got up and said, okay, just pick your favorite hymn and turn to it. All the choir picks it, and then I say to the piano player, pick your favorite hymn. He starts playing it, and everybody sings their own song. We'll try that tonight, see how it goes, amen? Cody Sturgill will be going, are they speaking in tongues? That's not how it works. It's got to be communication. Go to the next one. We've got to work for others. In verse number um, 7 through 9, it says this, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We've got to work for others and for God. Sometimes I think, Larry, sometimes I think we're at, at a point where if we would just go one more step, we'd actually see where God's blessings were. We stop before we should. We stop before we should. Remember, he's writing this to a church. He wants the church to do what he's saying. And this is God telling him what to say. This is not Paul's opinion. This is God's Word. And so he tells them, you've got to have restoration in your church. You've got to have prayer, examination of yourself. Pray for yourself. Communicate with others. Work for God and others. And look at the last one, and this is it. In Verse number 10. As we have therefore opportunity... Let us do good unto all men. And I'm glad it didn't end there. (laughs) I am so glad. He could have ended it there, but he did not end it there. Look what it says, and I've preached on this before. It says, especially unto those who are of the household of faith. He's saying, do good to other people. Look for opportunities to do things, but especially the people in here. Invite someone out for lunch. Pay for their meal. Do something with them. It's going to cost you some time and some effort. But the last one is this look for opportunities for others in the church. Sometimes you just got to thank the Lord for who they are. Sometimes you're just dropping them a note. Man, I've been praying for you. You ever, had, you ever had a note given to you and someone tell you they're praying for you and you received it right when you needed to receive it? I remember one particular time that I needed $100 when I was in, in, in Kentucky and I needed to pay a bill. And so I I said, Lord, I need a hundred dollars for this. I don't have the money right now. I need a hundred dollars. And so I was waiting for you know, everybody shake my hand. I was like, No, oh, there's nothing in that hand, nothing in that hand, nothing in that hand. I didn't tell anybody. And I started shaking hands and we got done and And it was on a Wednesday. I said, Lord, I need this money by tomorrow. And so I went to the the post office because that's where we got our mail for the church. And I opened up the thing and there was no money. There was no, I was thinking there was going to be an envelope in there. And I was just praying, Lord, it's going to be in there. It's going to be in there. And I just said, Lord, it's going to be in there. Just put it in there and it's going to be okay. And so I opened it and there was nothing in there. I was like, Lord, did you not hear me? And you know what? He heard me. It was just on his timing. And so I, I ran some errands, and they always put the mail in the morning at about 11 o'clock. I was there at 12 o'clock, and I was like, oh, man. And so I swung by it. I saw it one more time. I was like, man, I'm going to pray the Lord gives me this. And I, I, this is the only time I've ever done this. And so I went to the mailbox, and, and it was like 3 o'clock. I said, maybe. And, I, and that was the time. The first time I went in there, I was sure he was going to do something for me. That time I just went out of, I was moping about it, and I opened it up, and sure enough, there was a letter in that box that was empty. And I opened it up, it had no address, uh, return address. And I opened it up, and I opened up the end, and four $20 bills fell out the end of it. You know how sometimes we're ungrateful? I was like, Lord, I said 100. <laughs> and so I went, pfft. And I opened up the envelope. Sure enough, there was a $20 bill stuck in there. And you know what I got to do? I mean, when I drove back from the post office to the church, I don't think my tires touched the ground, amen? I was walking on cloud nine. You know what's interesting about that? Is the day that I needed it, Brother Bowen, was not the day that they mailed it. They had mailed it two or three days before that. And the time that I needed it, God knew exactly when I needed it. And it wasn't on my timing the first time. It was on God's timing the second time I went back to the same, same box and it was there. Can I tell you, we serve a great God. We've got to look for opportunities to help each other. Thanksgiving and Christmas to some people are some of the most lonely times. You might have a neighbor that doesn't even care, doesn't even know that anybody cares about him. We're going to go to the Brookdale and give gifts to them like we always do at Christmas time. Bernard always heads that up and we always do that. But there's some people at Brookdale that no one ever comes and sees. They need to see a church that cares for them. The church has seven things we, we must do. We must restore each other. Restoration to others. Prayer for others. Examine of ourselves, pray for yourselves, communicate to, to others, work for God and others. And last, look for opportunities for others. And I'm, you know what? We have a great church here, and I love this church, but there's always things we could do. Paul writes to these churches because he loves them. Many books are written in the Bible about churches, about pastors, about people, and we must fulfill what God has for us. It's not always easy. Sometimes the lowest times of my life or when I'm concerned about me. You ever been there? Because, man, I can put on a pity party in a half in less than a minute. And I just start eating. I'm going to the garden, as my dad would say. How many of you ever heard this? Go to the garden and eat worms. Just go to the garden and eat worms if you can't be thankful about anything. What does that have to do with anything, Dad? But I'm in the garden eating all the worms I possibly can because I'm about as low as I possibly can. But then I start thinking about other people that don't have as much as I do. And I truly realize realize that I've been blessed beyond all measure. This church has been blessed. We've got to move forward and we've got to understand that there there are leadership, there are workers, and there are people, and we all have our jobs. We must fulfill what God has in store for us with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm not preaching this to get anybody to move forward. I'm, getting, I'm, I'm wanting you to understand what God says about the church. Paul writes to the church. He says, listen, you have to do these seven things if you want to move forward. Sometimes restoration is hard to do. One of the biggest things when I talk about, think about prayer is finding time to prayer because everybody in this room is busy. And sometimes we've got to examine ourselves. When we examine ourselves, we start praying and God blesses. You know what we need to do? We need to look for opportunities to serve others. We've got to be thankful for what God's given us. And don't quit, move forward. God has something in store for you that you can't even imagine because with God, all things are possible. There's nothing that's impossible. When's the last time you thanked him for that?